Welcome to another The Parklander podcast. Joining us today is George Pavaromo, a local Parkland resident. He hosts the George Pavaromo World of Saltwater Fishing on Discovery Channel. Welcome, George. How long have you been fishing? Uh, I've been fishing my entire life. I just turned uh, 62 years old this past May, which is hard to believe. Wow. They say when you have a good time, that time flies. So I must have had an incredibly good time to get here that, that quickly. But uh, going back to, um, I mean, when I can first remember, had a, I'm guessing around the six-year-old time frame is when I remember my dad taking me to a seawall in Bay Harbor Island right. and uh, catching some fish. So really from six years old all the way straight up to uh, where I am now, I'm 62, and hope, hopefully be doing that for another 100 years on top of that. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I think that's the South Florida has like a sort of a lot of opportunities for ocean fishing. So, like, you know, how does it compare to other areas like you've been to? Um, do you have a preference, or do you? What do you think South Florida is special for? I I get that question asked of me a lot because w- between my writings and traveling with Saltwater Sportsman Magazine and the television series, mm-hmm. I've had the good fortune of fishing. Uh, a lot of different places, a lot of international places like Blue Marlin fishing out of Brazil, right. uh, Marlin fishing out of Ecuador, Bermuda. So I- I've been to a lot of the world's greatest uh, saltwaters. And mm-hmm. people ask me, what is your favorite destination? And I say my hometown waters. Uh, you know, I grew <laughs> up fishing out of Hallover, North Miami Beach. And, and so that would be pretty much out front here in South Florida. And they look right. at me like I'm crazy. And, and I, I'm telling them, no, it's, it's, you know, you have the sentimental value here. You know these waters. Plus... Right. When you put together a great day out here, you're really doing something. And um, so I, I, I'm just a hometown person, and <laughs> I love fishing in my hometown waters. That's excellent. And is it like um, in terms of the fishes, do you see this in, the, in all these years? Has the fishing changed? Like what do you use the type of fish that you typically catch or uh, like how, you know, how, how many you catch? The uh, fishing uh, well, definitely has it's changed over the decades. Um, and for the most part, it's been for the better because of uh, conservation rules, which uh, limit the number of fish you could take. Certain right. species have closed season size limits. So the number of fish seem to be you know, holding their own, which is excellent. That's good. But yeah. by changing, there are so many more people who've been out there fishing now yeah. that I think some of the fish, they get educated really quickly. <laughs> smarter. In the face. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, we have a saying that when you when the dolphin, which is mahi, uh-huh. when they start their migration, they first come up through the Florida Keys and are migrating north. And then by the time they get past the Florida Keys and those anglers start catching them down there, <laughs> then they get to Miami. Those <laughs> anglers catch them there. They get to Broward, Palm Beach. By the time they get up to our waters at a, at a Broward and then say Palm Beach, we we, we we consider those fish college educated. They've seen just about every trick in the book. And, right. uh, you have to work a little bit harder to get them because you know they're they're looking around and they don't see as many of their uh, their mates hanging there as they once were. So yeah, uh, yeah, the, the pressure <laughs> makes these fish smarter. I, I I've seen that. That's interesting. Um, and then how do you like, I think one of the things we, when we did the profile for you, the magazine is, uh, you, when you moved here, there's also a lot of lakes and canals. So, um, like, how do you feel about the freshwater fishing? And at freshwater, um, uh, actually I grew up saltwater. I'm a saltwater person, but I did do a fair amount of freshwater fishing, especially growing up. There was a canal that wasn't that far from our home mm-hmm. that I used to fish that religiously. And I did get on a largemouth bass kick for a while. So huh. circling back around to what we have here, 
we're in an area with an incredible amount of lakes and and, and canal systems. The freshwater opportunities here are outstanding. And in a lot of cases, you don't even need a boat. You you could just walk from shore in a lot of places and catch bass. And in some cases, you know, large bass. So the freshwater potential here is really great. And anybody who's really thinking about starting off, they could get their feet wet, so to speak, by just mm-hmm. walking the banks and getting the fuel for it all, and, and, and seeing if they really get enjoyment from it. And, and do you think, like, the, in terms of the, the the fishing gears and so on between the freshwater, like, like you know, is there something uh, the, the mechanics of it is similar, or or do you think it's like the sort of different for saltwater fishing on a boat with the rolling around versus you know, like on the shore uh, fishing? Oh, the, the tackles, it, there's a there's a big divide between freshwater tackle and salt, mainly mm-hmm. because freshwater is a lot easier on equipment. You have freshwater. There's really no corrosive oh, elements see. in that. Mm-hmm. Plus, the fish you catch in freshwater aren't going to fight anywhere near as hard as the ones in saltwater, <laughs> which could run off 200 yards of, of line in, in, in a very short time. So the reels are so much more durable and drag systems so much more superior in saltwater right. than freshwater. And... and, and Obviously, the prices are so much higher, but see, yeah. freshwater is a beautiful thing because you could, you know, be doing it with a, a really decent rod and mill combination for probably around $100 in the freshwater world and, and catch probably anything that swims out here. Right, right. And do, do, like, do you do much fishing still in the freshwater or are you mostly focusing on saltwater these days? Uh, I, I'll, I'll saltwater, but I do. Uh, uh, several times a year, I still get out in a freshwater fish. I, mm-hmm. I think it's a cool change of pace and... And uh, I'll walk some of the local lakes around here when I get the opportunity to do so and, you know, catch some largemouth bass. And there's the peacock bass in here, too. And right. and believe it or not, you know, just because, like I said, I've got that old sentimental value that um, about twice a year, I'll still go down to Miami and mm-hmm. fish that one big canal system that I grew up fishing. <laughs> and uh, we were there probably about, I'd say, a month ago and, and did well catching largemouth bass, peacock bass, and, right. uh, and the like. So I, I, I do like freshwater, and I still do it. You mm-hmm. know, pretty much as a diversion, and, and plus it's easy to do. There's no boat to prep. That you just decide you're going to do it in a half hour right. and right. walk out to a lake or whatever, and, and there you go. Yeah. No, I think that's the convenience of the freshwater for sure. Is, um, especially if you're living close to water and you're near your house, you just a short walk. I see a lot of kids doing that, and I think that's a good thing to to sort of get that initial experience uh, without having to invest a lot of uh, you know like uh, gear. Um. I I agree a hundred percent, and the part about the kids doing it, I think that's like the greatest thing because I remember when I was growing up, uh, our friends would get together. We couldn't wait to get down to the canal and fish. It's such a great recreation. Then there's so much more to it because then all of a sudden as the kids start fishing and they want to catch a peacock bass right. and the, after they catch their first one then they want to catch a big peacock <laughs> bass or a big large so it right. always keeps them in there then they decide well my you know my buddy's using this lure let me try that it's a never-ending Learning hobby experience. which is a great thing and i think a lot of a, a, a more kids should you know take up some of the freshwater fishing it's easy to do you get off to school and play around for about an hour and, and get back home every day i think it's wonderful excellent um, like in terms of the go- going from you know the the freshwater to 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 the ocean, like what what's a good way for someone who's maybe interested to get started? Is there something that to, you know you have to um, like try to charter or or get a friend? You know what, what's the what's your recommendation to get started? The best way somebody is really interested and in get involved in salt water is is one of two things. If they have a friend who's really into saltwater fishing, and, and in most cases, you know, somebody knows somebody who has a friend with a good boat that does it. 
you know, hitch a ride with them, you know, mm-hmm. um, or just charter a guide, you know, figure right. out what kind of fishing you want to do because the saltwater world is so diverse. You have inshore saltwater for fish like snook, tarpon, uh, redfish, trout. Then mm-hmm. you have the reefs for grouper snapper. And then you have your uh, uh, offshore for dolphin, uh, wahoo. So mm-hmm. it, it, it was whatever interests that person, whatever intrigues them, mm-hmm. they have to make a decision. Well, let me charter a guide and go out and see what it's all about. It, and right. that serves two purposes. Number one, it lets this individual know if it's really something that's that's incredible and they love it, they want to pursue it. Mm-hmm. And it also, number two, they see some of the uh, tackle that's being used, some of the techniques to catch these fish. So it's a right. good starting base. And, and, and I would definitely say charter a few times, you know, make sure your interest is there. And if you're right. really intrigued with it all, you could learn from it. And then when you feel ready enough to make that step up and, and you jump up in your own boat, right. you know, you, you'd be pretty much, uh, you know, in the zone to do so. And you mentioned the different areas for different, like inshore and, and out, you know, out in the coast. Um, what are the like? What's usually a good start for for someone? They say go to charter, like because I, I mean, I'm just thinking that people really don't have that knowledge, right? Should I tackle something that's that's more like uh, is it insh- like closer to shore easier to fish, or what's the recommendation there? They all have their challenges. Like you would think that being closer inshore or fishing, say, the intercoastal waterway right. uh, would be easy to do. Um, but in reality, it could be a lot harder because a lot of times these fish, you know, snook, for example, are sitting tight up mm-hmm. underneath these mangroves. So your casting ability has to be dead on because if your bait or lure hits, say, a foot off the mangroves, those fish are up underneath it. They're not going to come out and eat it. So you have to place that bait right, right the there to those mangroves. So casting ability comes in, which is a difficult thing if you're not that experienced. And uh, uh, then, of course, when you hook a fish, whether it's around a bridge piling or, or mangroves, uh, it's a decent sized fish. They're going to try to run you into the mangroves right. to break you off or into a bridge right. piling. And, and then conversely, you know, saltwater has its great challenges, too. You have to figure out where these fish are going to be in that wide open environment. And if they're around, say, a, a wreck, mm-hmm. when you hook a fish, it could go straight down and break you off on the wreck. You're going to have to try right, to turn right. it. It all has its challenges. Wow. And then that, so that's how having a good uh, charter guide will help explain some of the, the whatever they you, uh, you decide to fish, the, explain the specific situation there and then uh, what to avoid, basically, in terms of uh, trying to land that uh, the fish you want. A- absolutely. And in in like the charter and business too, you have your uh, really standout guides that really care about the sport and, mm-hmm. and putting their clients on the fish. And then you have the, the, the ones that just want to take what they call the tourists out for just a quick ride and right. that's it. They don't put much effort into it. So it's very important that they distinguish who the top shelf individuals are out there. Right. So they do get a true representation of what the sport is about. Right. And what's the expectation? Let's say you go for the charter. Like, uh, do you expect to land something, or or more like you should try it a few times because because a learning curve is there. Well, me, I mean, I would never ever clear the inlet or get in my boat if I didn't think I was going to not catch something out there. It's 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 just mm-hmm. you know it's your confidence level that when you go, you know, you go to with, with <laughs> the uh, positivity that right. you're going to score. Right. But then again. Fishing is fishing. Yeah. You go out there with the best equipment, the best baits, and have some really good-looking water. And there are days when you could go and not even get a strike. And mm. uh, it, it, again, it is fishing. It's like all fishing. <laughs> it's it, not like it there's is, a yeah. It, that's part of the part of the, the game too. Is uh, you know all the time you're not going to hit a home run. Right. And um, 
that, that's that's just part of the sport and and everybody just needs to and they have gotten used to it so um you know it's part of the game yeah i don't when you go charter do they provide you with all the equipment or do you need to buy some equipment no they have all their own charter equipment they have all the rods and reels and a lot of them provide all the live bait and everything you just pretty okay. much bring your lunch and drinks and show up and let the captain take you out and um you know tell you what to expect and how to, to play that bait out and once you hook a fish how to fight it hmm. and well, what's a good season for chartering like here in, in south florida like uh like in summertime like or wintertime um what type is it just a type of fish season that's the beauty of south florida it can be good here all year round it's not mm-hmm. like other areas where you only have like say for example the northeast you get that short window from pretty much the spring once everybody thaws out up there right. until like Storms. November. Then it shuts down from, for most species during the winter. Here, yeah. there's fishing to be had 12 months of the year. Mm-hmm. So like summertime, which we're in right now, uh, dolphin or mommy, mm-hmm. that's that's the uh, big quest for the offshore anglers right now. Um, snook are in the inlets spawning. And mm-hmm. for the inshore uh, anglers, the snook in the inlets catch and release is the uh the hot thing right now mm-hmm. and as we progress towards the fall you'll, you'll start seeing again uh, some more mahi push through you'll start seeing mm-hmm. some of the kings uh king mackerel show up mm-hmm. uh, the sailfish will start to get a little bit better mm-hmm. winter time through this uh, beginning of spring prime for sailfish blackfin tunas kingfish the occasional mahi uh and some wahoo so it, it, it just it's always something on and on yes wow. and, and and in terms of like um when you when you're going fishing like uh, the gears, I, I, if I remember, like different gears have different strength, right? Like, is it something that, well, what's a good starting point for someone um, in ocean fishing? Is it like a certain line that they should uh, start with or or generally just, just start fishing, cast it, and, and see where what comes? Again, yeah, that's that's the uh, the pound-tested line that, mm-hmm. that goes on these reels. And it's all based on on the fish that you're, you're going to go after. For, uh, you know, light tackle saltwater with spinners like spinning tackle and reels mm-hmm. uh for fish like dolphin or or, or kingfish uh be sporting you could get a uh say like a, a, a pen 6500 reel spool it with 12 pound test mm-hmm. on a filament line or or, or 20 pound test braid mm-hmm. and that outfit will will uh, catch you know, most, most dolphin out there uh, kingfish and you know we've caught sails on it that's a good uh outfit that you can not only use offshore but you can use it in the inlets mm-hmm. and you could use it for some of your uh inland fishing when i say inland but inshore salt water for right. uh snook tarpon it's a good versatile outfit that you okay. can use in a lot of different applications but once you go for other species that are that are a lot larger then you need to step up to a, a larger reel and a heavier pound test line which right. is the breaking strength of the line and have you ever regretted not using a stronger line because you you know you, you know you landed a bigger fish than you were originally targeting? No, I never really crossed that situation huh. before. Uh, and you know, there's been uh, times out there when we've used you know very light line. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, for example, uh, one year we were using I was out there eight pound test spin tackle, okay, uh, trying to catch some kingfish, and a sailfish eats it. <laughs> and uh, so we just chased the fish down, and we got alongside the boat, released it on eight pound spin. And that's again, it's a certain that's a certain aspect of saltwater fishing in that you have uh, light tackle anglers that right. like to use the lightest line to try to catch some of these larger fish because it's it's more of a skill set and yes. a talent. And uh, yeah, the boat has probably some you know you had to maneuver the boat so that you don't uh, um, overstress the line. I assume. 
Absolutely. And, and, you know, once the fish keeps running line, you need the boat to chase after it to right. keep, you don't want the fish to, the more line that that fish takes off the reel as it's dragging that line through the water, the drag or the pressure on the line increases. I see. And that could ultimately just break, break a lighter it. line. So you, you need to stay as close to that fish as you possibly can and, and, and stay with it. Interesting. I guess these are things that you learn over your, your so many years uh, fishing. Uh, what do you think the common mistakes people have that are like the new newbies have in terms of uh, going to to ocean the first time or first few times? I think it's more of a um, a patience kind of a thing, mm-hmm. and you know, like I said before, we all go out there with expectations to you know just have an incredible day, right? And I think in a lot of cases, if they go out and not catch anything, it's too quick to change and do something different and not really give it. The, the, mm-hmm. the time it needs uh like if they're out there trolling which is you know pulling lures or baits behind your boat and mm-hmm. they're not having a uh a success with it and all right let's pull this up we'll run and do something else and right you know if, if they stayed at it maybe another hour or whatever things might Patience. change you might get that one fish come up in the spread and it could be the uh a, a trophy class fish it could be a wahoo it could be a blue marlin it could be a sail it's it's patience i think right. and, and 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 not trying to go in there you know with over expectations or or, or thinking that you're just going to load the fish box up and so I, I would have to say patience and then i would have to say in a lot of cases they're using tackle that's too heavy for hmm. uh the fishing at hand and by too heavy i'm talking about the leaders and the hook sizes and as i mentioned before these fish now under pressure have become so sp- uh, smart that they see a big hook and a big heavy leader they, they just avoid it and uh, you have to really scale down those small hooks, very light leaders to try to make that bait less susceptible when, when, when a fish looks at it. It's uh, so patient and an overgunning or tackle, I think, are, are, are two of the big mistakes that newbies make. Right. And then so, so you like from your experience trying to keep uh, you've been enjoying this for decades. So like uh, that's another challenge is like keep it going like in terms of someone who, you know, who you know, starts it off, enjoys it. And sometimes it falters off. Well, what's your recommendation to keep people with the passion to continue the passion through the years? Well, it's I think that that you just said it right there is the passion. If they get in there really hard and all of a sudden it, they it, it, they falter off and they're mm-hmm. losing interest, well, I think that's the time then for them to get out of the sport because mm-hmm. you never lose it. Right. And I, I and, I, and I see this in the, my industry so many times. Like all of a sudden. Somebody comes in, a uh, highly successful business or whatever it is, buying, I'm going to buy a boat and right. go out and put the best boat, the best tackle. Right. They'll, they'll put a captain behind it. And they'll do that two, three years. All of a sudden, eh, the interest changes. They sell everything. And all of a sudden, they're doing something totally different. And right. a lot of people get excited. And then once you lose that, you decide, all right, I'm taking a break, this and that. Then, then you know, you, you pretty much lost it. And I don't, you know, that's the time you, you might look at doing something else. Interesting. Well, I think fishing is is one that's not quite like just uh, if you see it as purely like tennis or something, it's an activity versus like the, it's sort of more like golf and stuff. This is a scenery, there's companionship, and there's like generally you're doing other things while you're fishing, right? I think that's that's why I feel like um, if you get too focused gun ho on fishing itself, then it does get potentially boring because you just, you know, it's not the act of fishing you're there. Yeah, the act of fishing plus your uh, you know, the conversations and, and you know, enjoying something while you're waiting for that fish to strike. 
Yeah, but that, that also occurs over the, on the fishing world, too. And uh, like, for example, let's say you're 20 miles offshore mm-hmm. and you're trolling for dolphin. You're right. there with your friends. You're, you're, you're dragging the baits behind the boat. You're mm-hmm. looking. You're having good conversations. It's a lot of times to get caught up on great conversations and yeah. put the stereo on, listen to some of your, your favorite music. And then yeah. the other thing is that people think, well, they're 20 miles offshore. What in the world are you going to see out there? It's an incredible <laughs> world. We've seen things out there that most people in their lifetime won't see. We've seen whales come up out there. We've seen whale sharks. We've mm-hmm. seen just amazing things from weed lines with, with, with marlin in them. Uh, it, it's what it, it, it's, I, I've seen submarines come up out there before, <laughs> you know, and we see this think of what the, in the world is that? And it's a submarine. And <laughs> I, I just hope it was on our side and it went back down. And anyway, they, we, we didn't get blown out of water. So that was right. a good thing that day. And, but you see so many different things out there. It, it's a whole entirely different world. Now keep your eye open when you're on the, on the fishing, basically. Oh, I always, absolutely. You always do. Excellent. So, and I think in terms of, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, the, you know, at some point, if you're really interested, still uh, continue your passion, you, you know, you should get a boat. What do you think the the right time and then the, the best starter size for people? Like, you know, I think like you mentioned, some people, you know, you get that tendency when you go in there, you want the best, you want, you, you read up the reviews and say, so this is the best boat for all type of fishing and you sort of overbuy, right? So you, you, you do something that's too, um, like, you know, it's usually good to get a starter and then, you know, keep the passion going, you know, get the, like the sort of barbecue, you want to keep the flame going slowly and not burn out too quickly, so. Yeah, I think in that case, it's something that the individual could handle easily. So let's say for general saltwater fishing, Okay, maybe the best bet for a person who likes to do, you know, near shore, your reef, maybe a little bit looking for dolphin when they're running, mm-hmm. it might be a 23-footer, a 23-foot boat that's somewhat easy to trailer. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I think, could be a good starter, a deep sea boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's good about that is it gives this person uh, an opportunity to get the feel of what it is to drive a boat, uh, right. what the currents and wind can do to you and get that whole feel. The worst thing that I think that the person could do is without any experience, just jump up to a, a mid-sized triple powered center console that could run right. 68, 70 miles an hour. He's going to probably kill himself and everybody <laughs> else he comes in out there. So I, I think it's a matter of getting a boat that's easy to handle, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much easy to maintain, wash down at the end of the day, uh, let them develop a feel for boat handling characteristics. Mm-hmm. And on the good days with that 23 footer, you could run offshore of our coast and, mm-hmm. and, and chase dolphin. And on really good days, you know, plenty of boats in that range and even smaller, make that 55 mile run to Bimini in the Bahamas. They can enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And once they have a good grasp mm-hmm. of, of, of good, safe boatmanship and they decide, well, now I want to step up to a bigger boat. Now they have the base Right. experience and an idea of what it's all about that they can make make that next step up larger because they carry that experience level with them yeah i think i think that's the handling the boat you know any sort of boat when it's it's always sort of easier a little bit lower power and, and a smaller boat more maneuverable so um but do, do you think the the people going for the bigger boats are they looking for comfort or you know or just just because those are like it tends to be you know more let's say spec better it, it's a combination. You do have uh, people are definitely looking for comfort and this and that. But the big trend 
in, in down here for sure, and pretty much in all salt water, mm-hmm. is the trend of these larger center consoles uh, with with triple outboards on. Some have four outboards in the back, and the mindset now is we want to get out to the fish or the fishing grounds fast. We don't want right. to spend <laughs> you know hour and a half getting there. We we, we want to race to the grounds, beat a lot of the other boats there. We want to fish and, and spend less time running and more time fishing. Hmm. And they're center consoles. I mean, they have comfort in them, but, but yeah. they're center console fishing boats. You're standing most of the time because you're you're going 50, 60 miles an hour. And and that's where we're at right now with, with the mindset to a lot of you know saltwater anglers. And I'm guilty of it, too. I've got a, a, a three, three, four, 33 foot Mako with a triple 400 outboards in the mm-hmm. back. And, you know, but I've always been that way. I always wanted to, whether it was waking up super early, I always wanted to beat everybody out to the fishing grounds. And uh, by the time they got out there, you know, I wanted to have yeah, you fish want to in the box and, and eat lunch while they're out there looking. <laughs> yeah, get ahead of the curve. Yeah, no, I think that, that comes an arms race almost, right? Everyone's trying to copy you. And uh, look, that guy's uh, very successful catching a lot of fish. Let's do what he did, right? So get up earlier yeah, in the morning. It is. And so I, I think I think that the, the speed and the size of the boat now, just to, so you could go offshore so much quicker now. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Like, um, where I grew up out of Hallover in uh, North Miami Beach, mm-hmm. from Hallover Inlet to Bimini was exactly 50 miles. Mm-hmm. And you go back, say, 25, 30 years, 50 miles, that was a long crossing across the stream. You really had to think about that. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to plan this one out because you're going 50 miles across the Gulf Stream. We're being at the Bahamas. And it, it, that was a major trip for the equipment that we had 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, 50 miles it is not even a second thought. Hey, we want to run at Bimini for the morning. We got the speed. Let's go over there. We could clear customs. We could fish that day and turn around and come back home. Wow. It's okay. seven o'clock, you know, in the summer when it's still light out. And, and now with these boats, you're, you cover 50 miles in no time at all. Right. It's, right. It's, so whatever was really long range before is now short range and close at hand because we, we make the world a lot smaller because right. of the, uh, the boat technology and the speeds. Oh, that's good, and then uh, it, that gives the, the newbies a little bit uh, quicker quicker entry into the things that they, they didn't have access to before, basically. And yeah, but like I said, let, let them get the experience of boat handling because we, we don't want them driving out there <laughs> running you over. No experience. Yeah, running over your lines <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> No, that's good. That's this is a good uh, you know introduction, and I think um, for for a lot of us who haven't really done ocean fishing uh, seriously, that uh, it's good to to get a context of what people should expect. And um, so I hope I hope people who are listening you know gets interested. And uh, I think it's generally fishing. I think it's a good sport just because it, it has a lot of. Um, I feel like a meditate. It's almost like we do talk about nowadays. The, um, the the mindfulness type of um, uh, meditation techniques, but it's really about your your mind and your surroundings and your your body, you know, your your muscles and and uh, uh, all of them combining, right? So you're less distracted by your other worries. So I think fishing is like classic example of that uh, type of type of uh, experience. Oh, there's there's no doubt. It's all that and everything else wrapped into one. It, it's exactly what you said. It is. It's an escape. It's. Uh, fresh air it's a clean mind it's uh it's just typical you know old school enjoyment with your friends or family members and then plus you know you you got the challenges of trying to figure out where the fish are at and and then also the excitement of catching fish and you know anyone who's really you know sincere about thinking and jumping into it i could tell you that it's an incredible sport that once you go out and you 
you score a quality fish, you, you know, you're going to be hooked for life. And yeah. it becomes a passion and a very good passion at that, 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 that keeps you focused, keeps you busy. And you could share yep. with a lot of people. It's, uh, you know, like I said, uh, it certainly hooked me really good. <laughs> good. Thanks, George, for joining us for this podcast. It was great to learn a little bit about fishing. And thanks to our audience for listening. Remember to subscribe so you can listen to more of the stories from local residents in the Parkland and Coral Springs area. Have a good day. <laughs>